His leadership was challenged, and Moses didn't really know how to respond, but God told him what to do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are going through the Bible for 30, the 32nd time. And it's very interesting to read through. Now, Corey is here with Ryan, and what did you guys do today? I'm taking my cue from Numbers chapter 17, and we're looking at the biblical symbolism of the almond and almond tree. Ryan? Today we study a bit of a strange command from the book of Numbers that apparently even King Solomon didn't understand. All right, very good. And Janice, what'd you do? Today my segment's called Help Us, Father. All right, well that's a good thing to pray, I'll tell you right now and today. But this is interesting because as we begin to study Genesis, or rather Numbers chapter 20, it begins to get interesting around verse 10. Now let's do that, open the Bible and let's listen to God. Numbers 20, verses 1 through 11. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels! Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. Numbers chapter 17 to 20, this is a great read as we go through the Bible in one year. And as we focus on this, we're in the work of the law or the law of God. Now, one of the greatest things we can do is the work of God. All of us know that. The Lord uses his people to do his work. That seems to be obvious. And it's all too easy for us to become proud and impatient 
and do things our way instead of God's way. It is always better for us to follow the Lord and with his help learn to do things his way. Now, when we choose our way over his way, it means that we get ourselves into a lot of trouble <laughs> and we avoid the full blessings of the Lord. The blessings of God come to us when we live in obedience to him. Now, while Moses aimed to do the work of God, he was still a man. And like us, he was capable of grave errors. One of these is highlighted in the passage we read today, when Moses chose not to obey the Lord. Like sin, consequences follow. You know, it's very interesting when we think about this. We often say to ourselves, well, we're going we're to do this God's way, and we're going to make sure we do it, and we're going to do it, and it, we're, we're really doing it our way. But what does that mean, doing things the Lord's way? Take your Bible guide and get your Bible out, the most important book of all, as we begin to explore today. And as we look at chapter 20, verses 1 through 11, do what God says. If you don't have a Bible guide, write for yours or call for or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide and it'll take you to a place where you can download it. Now, Father, I pray today, help us to do what you say. Because, Lord, we often have a tendency not to. We have a tendency to go off on this side or off on that side or somewhere. We don't follow the ways that you've commanded us to go. And so, Lord, help us, Lord, those who are truly obedient to you and truly desire to follow you, help them, Lord, and show us your way. Teach us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, look at this. This is chapter 20, verse 1. This is absolutely fascinating. It says, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin, and in the first month, the people stayed at Kadesh, and Miriam died there, and she was buried there. Miriam was Moses' sister. Now, Moses buried Miriam in the wilderness of Zin. A very hard time for him, I'm sure. And in difficult times, God remains with us and helps us. It's one thing to do the work of God his way. It's another thing to try to do the work of God when we're going through great grief and sorrow. Now, remember this. I, I always say this to people. We are not here so that we can experience loss. We are not here so that we can experience great uh, things that happen to us that way. We were made by God to experience eternity, beloved. And so when someone passes away, when their body perishes and their spirit remains to be chosen by God to go to heaven or not, that's through Jesus Christ, then we understand the pain of loss. Moses was learning that pain. Let's go on to Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. It says, now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Boy, I can see the enemy of our souls taking shots here and coming against Moses and Aaron because Mary was Aaron's sister as well. Back to the verse. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up? the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness 
that we and our animals should die here. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or wine or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink, Moses, Aaron. This is fascinating. Moses' leadership was challenged. People will challenge us, beloved, at just the right time to get under our skin. But you know, the Lord helps us when we turn to him. God always helps us when we turn to him. And this is why we have to understand that we cannot face all of the ravages of the enemy on our own. We can't do it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus Christ to position himself in our lives so that we can face whatever the enemy throws at us. A lot of times the enemy throws at us the death of loved ones, not the death of ourselves, but it's the death of loved ones that becomes a problem. So beloved, let's keep that in mind. Now with that in our hearts, let's go on to number six through 11. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. Talk to the rock, speak to it, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and to their animals. Verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses, and remember, Moses is, you know, pretty upset still. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock, not once, but twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Now, you know, this is interesting because in his anger with the people, Moses did not truly listen to the Lord. He didn't. Beloved, we should always be careful to listen to the Lord, not look to get even. Now, let me tell you something. This is Moses was a great man. There's no question about it. But he was a man. And people got under his skin and he couldn't take it anymore. My sister just died and all of this is going on. You want water there? Take water. And he hits the rock. That's not what God said. That's what happened with Eve when she said, when she answered Satan, when Satan said, has the Lord said, even though you touch the tree, you will die. She said, if you touch the tree, you'll die. God didn't say, he said, if you eat from the tree. So beloved, we have to understand the very detailed specifics of the Lord. And let's hear what God says today. So, Father, help us today to hear from you, not to just quickly glance over it and just go forward, but help us to hear the details from you, to show us your way. And when I say, teach us your path, that's exactly what I mean. Lord, teach us your path that we can know. Help us to skew ourselves into following God completely. And this is what we pray, Lord, so that we don't offend and so that we communicate the right message of you to this world. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And we've all said together, amen. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives. And this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. So covered in our reading today is Numbers chapter 17. And this is really interesting because what ends up happening is uh, the authority of Aaron as the high priest gets challenged. The Israelites are not happy about it. So God sets up uh, a test for them, a, a fair test that they each begin with a, a staff with their name carved in it and they put it before the Lord and something is supposed to happen. They're supposed to anticipate going to bed and waking up the next day and something amazing is going to happen that shows God's choice of leader. And of course, as we read in Numbers chapter 17 today, uh, Aaron's staff not only buds, but it also blossoms and fruits, uh, ripe almond fruit. Uh, and this shows God's choice. But the question needs to be asked, why almonds? Take a look. Almonds became an important symbol for Israel very early on in the nation's development. After the exodus, Moses received instructions to build the tabernacle, a portable sanctuary where God would meet with the leaders of Israel. The lampstand of the tabernacle was made to artistically represent an almond tree with its detachable lamps shaped as stylized almond blossoms. Then, when faced with dissatisfaction over Aaron's leadership as the high priest, God miraculously caused Aaron's staff to sprout, bud, blossom, and produce ripe almonds overnight. This was a clear symbol of God's choice in priest, but also carried a decidedly stern warning with it. The staff was kept in front of the Ark of the Covenant as a sign to the rebellious so that they would not grumble and die as a result. The almond-bearing staff of Aaron became a warning to all who would strive against God. The almond tree appears again in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes 12, a chapter that's describing the end of life and encouraging the reader to remember God before the time when the people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Commentators often remark that due to the almond tree's white blossoms, this may be referencing graying hair. But in this context, it may also reveal the almond's association with coming destruction. This association is again revealed in Ezekiel 7, which is describing the end of Israel. Verses 10 and 11 say, See the day, see it comes, doom has burst forth, the rod has budded, arrogance has blossomed, violence has arisen, a rod to punish the wicked, none of the people will be left. The blossoming rod of Aaron has again made an appearance, this time not just as a warning to the wicked, but because in their arrogance they have not heeded the warning of the rod, it now carries with it a sure punishment of sin. Almonds make another significant biblical appearance in Jeremiah chapter 1. During Jeremiah's call to become a prophet, God converses with him, What do you see, Jeremiah? 
I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. There seem to be two things going on here. First, God's using a play on words because the Hebrew word for almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watch. God is watching to see that his word is fulfilled. Jeremiah sees an almond branch. However, given the previously established symbolism of an almond staff as a dire warning from God, this also perfectly sums up what Jeremiah's main prophetic message will be. Judgment was coming to Judah because of their rebellion against God. So what we see being established here in number 17 is the beginning of this very strong biblical symbol of, uh, you know, a, a budding almond branch as a very strong warning. It carries with it uh, the concept of impending doom even. And, and this idea that God is present. He is watching. He is actively involved in the day-to-day -day lives of his people. So a really interesting motif that's set up here in Numbers chapter 17 and carries on throughout the Old Testament. You know, it's interesting because the, the blossoming of the, of the rod is mm -hmm. fascinating. The almonds are interesting. And God showed this. He used this example and he showed this to the people. Mm -hmm. Because when Moses took all of the rods in there and they had the names on them, yep. um, he said, God, choose the one, choose the man who you will listen to. Mm -hmm. And uh, God chose that. He makes that the stay in front of the Ark of the Covenant or in front mm -hmm. of the testimony of God for the rest of time. Now, I I don't know, but it, it'd be interesting to discover if they ever find the Ark. It'd be interesting to discover what was left, what was there. Because mm -hmm. you have the manna, a pot of manna, mm -hmm. and you have these things that were left there. Yep, the tablets and what could it the be? rod. It may already be destroyed. You know, the temple was taken so many times. Yeah. Good <laughs> Very interesting anyway. Okay, Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, well, today our assigned reading is Numbers chapter 17 to 20, and I want to focus specifically on chapter 19 because some find this portion of scripture to be kind of strange. Actually, even King Solomon apparently was confused over this. And that's because in Numbers 19, God gives the priests a very unusual prescription. Check it out. Though penned thousands of years ago, within the Bible, and particularly the Torah, are written several medical procedures and prescriptions far ahead of its time. One of the most fascinating examples of this is the water of purification from the sacrifice of the red heifer. In Numbers chapter 19, God instructs the priest to sacrifice with fire a red heifer without defect outside of the camp. Then the priest was to take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire, burning the heifer. Then the ashes were to be mixed with the water. Though this sacrifice is now understood to be both spiritually and physically significant, according to Jewish tradition, this seemingly bizarre command even eluded King Solomon, the man regarded as the wisest person who ever lived. Yet the wise king cannot be faulted for his bewilderment, since the event this sacrifice was typifying had not yet occurred, namely the offering up of the Son of God on a wooden cross erected in Judea. Consider, for example, that both Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and the red heifer were without sin or blemish. Similarly, both were offered outside the camp or city walls, and the red heifer was one of the very few female sacrifices. Significantly, Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a woman and of a slave. 
In addition to the spiritual significance, however, is also the physical and medical significance of the water of purification. For example, we now know that this water cedar hyssop solution was in fact a type of soap. The cedar oil contained in this solution, which came from a species of juniper tree native to Israel and Sinai, was a skin irritant which would encourage scrubbing. The hyssop tree associated with mint, possibly majorum, would produce hyssop oil. This hyssop oil is actually a very effective antiseptic and antibacterial agent. Indeed, hyssop contains the antiseptic thymol, which is the active ingredient in Listerine. Even the author of Hebrews recognized both the medical and spiritual significance of this passage. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Both the spiritual and medical foresight confirm what the Bible claims of itself, that it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we can't really fault Solomon for not understanding this command since the event it was foreshadowing was many, many years in the future. But isn't it significant that this water of purification was also a type of soap? As I mentioned at the end of the segment, both the spiritual and medical foresight confirm what the Bible claims of itself. That is, that it is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I mean, all you have to do is examine the medical practices and procedures of the cultures surrounding the Israelites to see that the biblical prescriptions are based upon superior knowledge. And if you want to study that even further, then I would recommend to you a book by the late Dr. S.I. McMillan called None of These Diseases. It is a great book. I've read it three times. I'm going to read it again. Uh, it is the, the updated version is excellent. Uh, his grandson updated it, and it's beautiful. So his grandson's also a doctor, by the way. Right, yeah. That is fascinating. Janice? Yes, well, I titled my segment, Help Us, Father. Uh, those of us that follow Christ, we know that we can't do this Christian life on our own. We need the Lord Jesus to help direct us. We need his words in our heart, and not just to have them in our heart, but to apply that into our actions. And we see here today that Moses made an error at Kadesh. And, and you know, the, the chapter starts out when we learn that um, Moses and Aaron, their very dear sister Miriam, died. Now, whether this kind of pushed them over the edge, uh, whether that was a distraction to Moses, I don't know. But what we do find is that Moses disobeyed God. The people came to him. The Israelites came to him. They were complaining again about not having water. And, and this really seemed to have pushed Moses to the breaking point where he was just incensed with the people. He, he, he had just had it. And God told him to, to go to the rock and to speak to the rock in front of the people. And Moses didn't do that. Uh, he went and, and in fact, he says something quite shocking. He stands up and he says, here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And, and he takes the rod and he strikes the rock twice. And unfortunately, in that moment, he really dishonored all that he had stood for over the last 40 years. God was not wanting to display his anger to the people, but that's what Moses was demonstrating to the people through his actions. And, you know, you might say, well, rightly so. He wasn't patient that the people were, you know, just after one thing after another after another. But, you know, it's difficult to act and react like a Christian. 
but the way that we act and that we react, what comes from the inside of us, really does make a difference. There are people who are watching. Uh, we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as I'm saying this, I, I'm thinking of incidents with my own self. Incidents when I get impatient, or if I'm tired, or if I don't feel well, or if somebody's saying something that I just think is ridiculous, or I'm reading it. I have that human tendency to react quickly, to not listen, but to react with my mouth before I've thought it through, or make decisions without involving the Lord, and then, and then you know, getting frustrated at the results of these decisions that I've made. What's my point today that we really do as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and especially in these difficult days, as things seem to be ever-changing and ever-shifting? You know, God does not change. He does not shift. His word doesn't change just because our culture changes. His word remains the same. In fact, it becomes our solid foundation. That's one of the big reasons why we have this program together. Our family has been impacted not only as a family, but each one of us as individuals with the truth of God's word, with spending time in it daily and getting it into our minds and into our hearts, but not just getting it there, but to apply it in our decisions, in the way we react and we respond to people. It's very, very important, especially in these days. And so let me just encourage you today. You know what? We can't do it on our own. If we could, God wouldn't have had to send his son, but I'm so thankful that he did and that Holy Spirit can dwell within us and help us and teach us through his word and through spending time with him in prayer, just like any good, healthy relationship, we need to set aside that time. Make God the top priority, the top love in our hearts, and that will flow through us into the ones that we love and into our communities and be effective. Be the encouragers, be the light, be the hope as we point people to who Jesus Christ is, who the hope of our future is in, because he's going to be coming back. He's going to be coming back and we need to be ready. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's get our hearts right. Let's get our garments white before the Lord. And the only way that we can do that is through the help of his Holy Spirit. So let's do that today and encourage one another. I hope I've encouraged you today. Thank you for joining us on today's program. Remember, we pray for you on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30. We do one hour and we're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery. Join us, we'll pray for you, it's excellent. Today we pray at the end of the program and we say, Lord, please show me how to respond through your Holy Spirit, not through my spirit. Help us today in the name of Jesus Christ. 